Welcome to Footnote, a show about overlooked history. I'm Emily Yaddick. Let's get started. Hi, Frankie! Hi, Felix! The Untouchables. Tonight's episode, The Artichoke King. Starring Robert Stack as Elliot Ness. Sadly, we've had a few changes to the cast tonight, but appearing as himself, Fiorello LaGuardia as mayor of New York, Giuseppe Morello as head of the Morello crime family, and Chiro Terranova as that hoodlum feared across New York, the Artichoke King. Let's start at the beginning. Before Prohibition, the Mafia had two main ways of making money. Oh, and we have one more supporting player, Dr. Mike Dash. My name is Dr. Mike Dash. I'm the author of a book called The First Family, which is the first in-depth look at how the Mafia made its start in the United States. Back to our story, which starts, as so many do, with a little light extortion. The earliest and the the crudest way was simple extortion. This was a a phenomenon known at the time as as black hand extortion. Little Italy was a small world. If you had money, the whole neighborhood knew. You would pretty much expect at some point to receive a threatening anonymous letter written in black ink, decorated with all sorts of strange and sinister symbols. All the usual stuff. Skull and crossbones, dead bodies, bleeding hearts, tombstones. People with daggers thrust through their skulls and that sort of thing. Guns as well were quite popular. The proposition was simple. Pay up or we'll blow up your house. If you can pay up once, you can pay up a second and a third time. And fat chance of getting the police involved. Well over three quarters of policemen in New York at the turn of the last century were Irishmen who, of course, spoke no Italian at all. So so long as it was just Italian on Italian crime, essentially went unsolved. And of course, that was um, something which made the Mafia's threats very much more um, persuasive. There were only so many well-off Italian families the Mafia could threaten, however. And they soon brought another old trick to the new country. The second way of making money was that they were heavily into counterfeiting. So when the, um, the Mafia counterfeited money in Sicily, it tended to get away with it. The United States did have a far better anti-counterfeiting operation. It's called the Secret Service. Counterfeiting turned out to be a dangerous game for the Mafia to play. Um, because the Secret Service were on their tails um, and because the Secret Service had effective informants, they were regularly busted. By 1910, the Secret Service had nearly broken up the Morello family, the first major crime family in New York. The boss, Giuseppe Morello, was in federal prison serving a 20-year sentence. The Secret Service mopped up close to 70 members of Morello's gang, but there were still a few left on the outside. By now, they knew the rules of the game. Avoid anything that would bring down the wrath of the feds, stay in Little Italy, and the cops wouldn't interfere. So they decided to get into the rackets game, essentially to level a little protection tax on certain industries. The laundry racket, or what was called the wet wash, racket in those days. Ice was a major racket in the days before refrigeration came in. The wagons were conspicuous in Little Italy. If you tried to sell ice, you would very quickly find someone telling you that you had to pay pay them a share of your profits if you didn't want your horses to be poisoned. And then finally, and perhaps most profitably, there were the vegetable racket. 
Food rackets were the perfect crime for immigrant gangs like the Morello family. They could charge a premium on all things that a good Italian housewife needed for a bowl of nice hot minestrone soup. Tomatoes, garlic, basil, baby artichokes. And get away with it, because no one else in New York except Italians ate minestrone soup, or cared how much basil and artichokes cost. Plus, unlike counterfeit bills or moonshine, selling artichokes was perfectly legal. At the time, baby artichokes were a specialty food grown in California and shipped into New York City by railroad car. The people in the wholesale markets who were selling these artichokes realized that they were getting a large number of rather heavily armed Italian men coming and calling on them and telling them it really would be in their best interest if they paid over a certain amount of money per railroad car of artichokes. It's about 25 bucks per carload of artichokes. This is a method known as dipping the beak. Wholesalers weren't ruined by forking over a bit of their profits regularly, and the Morellos could keep bleeding the businesses for years. Uh, and unbelievable that it may seem, uh, at the rate of $25 a car, by 1917 this was worth somewhere in the region of $30,000 or $40,000 a year, which is allowing for inflation, you know, several million bucks at the, the current exchange rates. And all of this money was flowing into the pockets of the Mafia, and specifically into the pockets of one of the brothers of the original Mafia Don, his name is Chiro Terranova, and uh, Chiro was known as the Artichoke King. Terranova kept control of the Artichoke racket for years, eventually passing it on to another Morello associate so he could concentrate on bootlegging. The artichoke racket would have probably continued indefinitely if New York hadn't elected an Italian-American mayor known as the Little Flower in 1934. We bring you our mayor, the Honorable F.H. LaGuardia, speaking to you from his desk in City Hall in another Talk to the People. Ladies and gentlemen, his honor the mayor. Fiorella LaGuardia came into office on promises to fight corruption and organized crime in the city. I couldn't find recordings of any of his early speeches, but to give you an idea of the man's style, here he is on WNYC in 1945 discussing his frustration with the Greyhound Bus Company. They're accustomed to getting everything that they want in every city, but they couldn't do it under this administration. I don't care how much reserve you have. You can't buy your way in New York City as long as I'm there. I'm stalking, talking straight to you now, right from the shoulder, Greyhound. You gotta stop this monkey business. The comfort of the people of the city of New York is, is of far greater importance than your profits. As an Italian-American, LaGuardia took the Mafia's extortion racket seriously and personally. In his free time, he gleefully hunted down mob slot machines and chucked them into the East River. He went after Terra Nova with a vengeance, too. It's a little unclear why LaGuardia made such an example of him. Terra Nova was only ever a mid-level boss in the Morello organization. By the time LaGuardia was in office, Terranova was more or less out of the game. But something about him really pissed LaGuardia the fuck off. He effectively banished Terranova from New York City, ordering the police to arrest him as a vagrant if he ever stepped foot in any of the five boroughs. LaGuardia didn't just go after Terranova, he went after the whole artichoke racket. Standing in the Bronx Terminal Market in the cold, pre-dawn dark on December 21st, 1935, LaGuardia announced, to the sound of trumpets, that it was forbidden to possess, sell, or display small artichokes, the kind used in Italian cooking, 
in New York City limits until a racket was broken. The band was declared a success and lifted after just three days. Between the band and LaGuardia's harassment of Terra Nova and his successors, the vegetable racket, if not completely broken, was at least loosened. Terra Nova died two years later, broke and forgotten. For all the trumpets and headlines about the artichoke king wilting under pressure, closing down the artichoke racket didn't slow down the crime families. They did what they had always done. Found new rackets, diversified, tried to keep the feds out of it. For many more years, crime continued to pay. Dash for speaking with me, and thank you for listening. You can find more episodes of Footnote on the web at footnotepodcast.com or on iTunes under podcasts. Until next time.